Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural context and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. I have to be completely honest and upfront with everybody right now. I feel nervous talking about this movie in this episode because... It's sort of like one of the biggest movies we've ever done. It was sort of one of the best movies we've ever done. It's kind of like a definitive text. And it's really, I feel like there's like a an inherent pressure I'm putting upon myself. Like while watching all these, I was like, wow, we're doing it. And then last night I was at the movies and the Matrix Resurrections trailer came up. And I'm like, wow, these movies, I don't know. Like my brain, I've just been, I feel like I'm in the Matrix right now. There's just so much... There's so many ones and zeros hanging around. I think it's warranted. I, I also think that this is kind of like the film that is the epitome of your favorite four quadrant blockbuster is right. not as straight as you think. Literally, it is. like is this is this like what we built our podcast on? Not the ground consciously, but maybe <laughs> while we were in the real world when we were thinking mm, about hey, that. You know, hey, I like it. I like it. And no, I mean, it's a very, very seismic movie. Yeah, I mean, but it changes everything forever. Yes. I think that for such a seismic movie, we are very lucky to have a yes. very skilled guest here with us Oof. to help us unpack everything about it. Incredible. Hello, I'm Brooke Sullivan. Jordan Gustafson. And joining us today is Morgan M. Page, host of One from the Vaults and co-writer of the upcoming film Framing Agnes, which we will hear a little bit more about later. Morgan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Very honored. How do you feel about this movie? <laughs> How do you... <laughs> right from the beginning. Oh, my God. Look, I mean... you, we gotta know. Maybe Morgan's coming on and she despises it. You never know. <laughs> I mean, it is a truth universally acknowledged that all trans women are giant nerds. <laughs> and um, even though I'm certainly too pretty to watch this type of movie, it, I this actually am a really big, mo- a really big fan of this. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a like cyberpunk fan going way back. Like it's always been a genre I'm obsessed with. And this is obviously one of the biggest and most important pieces of that genre I definitely saw it in the theaters when it came out. Oh, um, I'm so jealous. You know, 1999. I went to a lot of movies when I was a kid, I realized. I don't think I go to as many in person now. To, well, certainly not since the little pandemic Lovato we just had. But, oh, right, right. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> just casually, yeah. But even before that, I feel like I wasn't going to that many movies in person outside like festivals. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it definitely struck me as it did with many trans women where I was just like I'm Trinity (laughs) (laughs) I know everyone everyone around me thinks that I need to identify with the male characters in this film but I am Trinity that's who I want to be I was like where can I get those outfits I mean obviously I was a goth so I was like really trying to find those outfits Like, this leather looks so good on Carrie Ann Moss. I mean, she, Trinity is the best character. I, like, never... I disagree. I disagree. You think Morpheus For... is the best No, character? no, no. <laughs> I just, like, Switch the most in this movie. Switch! Because, oh, even yeah. though Switch is done dirty by the studio, there is something oh, yeah. so cool about how Switch, like, stands out in her white leather versus everyone's black leather, where I'm immediately just, like, that fucking rules. As an adult, I'm obsessed with Switch and I'm obsessed with the story behind Switch, which yes. exactly. we'll get into in yeah. a minute. But um, 
as as a kid i was fully into trinity and then totally. just re-watching it in advance earlier today um <laughs> for this <laughs> taping um I was like, oh, I'm, I can't wait to watch Trinity again. And then I watched it and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a representation of a woman from the 90s. Yeah. Like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, God bless the filmmakers. I'm a big fan of the Wachowski sisters, but um, very thin characterization for yes. a woman who's like, whole thing is basically, I'm destined to fall in love with the savior man. And that's her only thing. That's the one mm-hmm. thing she does. I mean, she gets to do some cool, like, kicking people in the face while she's hovering off the ground. But that's her basic character is, I'm yes. destined to fall in love with a man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's like rough. And it gets, like, even kind of rougher in the sequels. Like, to prepare for all this, I literally watched, so, the, the big three, then episodes of the Animatrix, which was, like, a spinoff they did. But oh, in yeah. Reloaded oh, yeah. and Revolutions, you <clears throat> excuse me, you watch it and you're just like, wow, they really just shunt her to the sidelines. And it's really her whole arc is like, I wanted to be the one and now I'm in love with the one and that's it. And you're and like, that's fine, I guess. Yeah. Trinity, why? But like, <laughs> I mean, the uh, Trinity so problem but like, is like a, a sidelined too, unfortunately. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Though. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah, it's look, I think what what's so exciting about these movies, I mean, Today, we're mostly talking about 1999, yes. The Matrix. The, the Matrix. Matrix. But, like, they're weird. They're weird movies. They're, like, complicated and messy and, like, not... Philosophical. Hyper-polished and, like... But they're so cool. They're, they're so just cool. operating on how cool they are. And they are cool. Like, they deserve that title. Um, I, I love them. The The thing that I think redeems Trinity... Not doesn't redeem her character at all, but, like... I we all agree, still love but her, like the line she has when immediately Neo's like, "Oh, I thought you were a man," and she's like, "Oh, everyone thinks that," and you're just like, mm, "I thought you yes. were a guy." Most right. guys do. And you're just like, "God, Trinity, fucking stomp on me!" But <laughs> <laughs> so we all she know what great lines. Into. Yeah, she, she has does. great lines throughout. Like, dodge this. Oh my Brilliant. god! I'm like, the lines one of the most this. iconic. <laughs> Truly, there's so she many really things. Yes. Um, and every outfit is just meticulously perfect. Even today, now that I'm no longer, well, secretly I'm still a goth, but like I don't really dress like it anymore. Um, but still, <laughs> I see those outfits and I'm like, damn, okay, maybe. Maybe I'll maybe bring I it need back. To go, yeah, maybe I need to get into wearing vinyl again. I mean, it does smell horrible after you've worn <laughs> it more than once, correct, but correct. it's kind of worth it, to be honest. You're like, the filming of this movie must have been terrible for stench. You're just like, you can just smell all the Ugh. wet leather. You're like, Ew. oh, no. Yeah, they're in the rain so much in these right. like, leather jackets. This movie jackets. is so wet. Like it's dripping rain throughout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's very, not even just the rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, everyone's oiled. Trinity has the wet look. She's the Mm -hmm. pioneer of the wet look. Very 90s. And then on top of it, like, um, there's body horror elements to this yeah. film. Oh, yeah. And they're very wet. Like, when they pull that little shrimp-looking thing oh, out, of, um, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> out of the belly button, it's Ugh. so wet. Yeah. When he come, well, when Neil, like, wakes up and he just comes out of the goo and he's just dripping. So much And there's goo. so much tubes going on in all the holes. I'm just like, oh, no, no, can't do it. Can't do it. It's scary. 
I feel like yeah. I, it was definitely tr- traumatizing as a kid seeing this because I saw this definitely way too young before, like not way too young, but I was v- wicked young when I saw this. And I remember like being so scared of that sequence and like all the body horror because like this movie's pitched, especially when you're a kid, everyone's just like, this movie's so fucking cool. The guns and the fights and everything. And like, you don't actually think about like the themes or anything. So going into mm. it when I like my first watch, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be the coolest thing. And then just each like, horror sequence is just instilling itself into the dark recesses of my brain forever you say you don't think about the themes when you're a kid do you want to know the first time that i watched this movie when how were you 25 27 i'm I'm literally not even 25 (laughs) right now um no it's fine uh i did not see this movie in theaters um although i wish i had but i watched this movie for the first time yes in High school, sophomore year, theology class. That rules. I went to Catholic school and they showed us this movie because it is a Jesus narrative. Were they like, oh, he's the Messiah? Yes. Yes, yeah. And there's even like the part at the end when he like dies and is reborn. Right. Um, Except, I mean, if Carrie Ann Moss is like, what's bringing you back from the dead? Right. I would have liked to see that version. I don't know. Um, But we had like a whole cultural discussion on like the savior the, the figure yeah. in uh, the Matrix. And then, of course, like everyone was bored out of their minds watching this because I went to a high school full of squares. They and were I was in bored? the back. Wait, like, God. Wait, how could anyone be bored? I know. Wait, what? <laughs> That's crazy. Listen, the Marvel movies have rotted your generation's brain, honestly. <laughs> I can't disagree, but I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so obsessed." Imagine I mean, if I'm they sure watched the sequels; the they would be like, "The th- like revolutions of Reloaded are so much like lore talk." Like they would have oh, been like deadened. They're so good. Yeah, Reloaded rules. We we love lore. Me especially. I have to actually say this on mic. I have to get it out there. You don't be- love lore? No, no, I love lore. Just with this franchise. So as I said, I saw whatever the first one early, and then I didn't see the sequels for a couple years. And so then Netflix, this was like right at the beginning of Netflix where they're doing the, like sending the DVDs to your home. Oh, yes. And so... The, the Dark Ages. Exactly. And I convinced my parents, I was like, I have to finish the trilogy. Like, I got to see the other two Matrix movies. And so we got Reloaded and Revolutions in the, D- in the mail. And for some reason, we watched Revolutions before Reloaded. And I was so fucking confused because i watched three before two and yeah. had absolutely <laughs> zero idea what was going on and so for the longest time i was like obviously didn't love them because i was like what the fuck are these sequels this makes no sense like it ends with the big fight but then we're back in like two it just was all messed up in my brain and so revit like i had seen i kept kept going back to one because i feel like it's easy to rewatch the matrix itself without the sequels so rewatching it this time in chronological order you were it like, was I so it. nice and it felt like i had like gone neo god mode at the end where i could see all the code yes. floating everywhere you understand it all made sense the now picture yes. morgan where do, you, where do you stand on the sequels are you a fan across <laughs> the board I mean, I have to first say that I feel like the crypt keeper over no. here because no, I no. I not only watch this in theaters, I owned these movies on VHS oh, back in the day. That's and beautiful. the Animatrix. I yes. have the Animatrix on VHS. Um, Hell yeah. That rules. But, um, I definitely... I think I was more moved by the Animatrix than I was mm. by the sequels. I remember being... Uh, very disappointed by the sequels and I don't think I've ever actually gone back to watch them again. I do mm. intend bef- 
like, well, when this comes out, the new Matrix movie is going to be out. Exactly. So in between now and when this comes out, yes. I'm going to watch those two and then go see the movie. Um, but yeah, I remember not being super impressed. And I remember the final one. That's the one where it's just like all one really long fight scene, right? Yes, kind of. With yeah. Agent Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just felt, you know, God bless the Wachowskis. I love so much that they do. Uh, but it really just took a turn for me. <laughs> I feel like that was uh, America's point of view on them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just a bad. Well, I feel like, well, obviously we have to talk about the Matrix. But it was such a weird idea. And I think it's coming off of Lord of the Rings and it's coming off of Back to the Future and everything. But like the filming back to back and then releasing in the same year is just a really tough hurdle to overcome, especially because Reloaded and Revolutions are kind of so heady and they're like, we're going to subvert everything that you liked about the first Matrix. Like Neo's actually not the one. And let's talk about like why the one myth is like bad. And let's like make like Mm. these fight sequences. And it's just like, it's, it's just doing a lot that then again, I don't know what our expectations were because it's so hard with like with the matrix. It's kind of like a perfect movie and you're like, fuck, how do you make a sequel to that? So I feel like expectations, no matter what would be hard to meet, but then the sequels subvert and skew so far from whatever our expectations were baseline that America was just like, no, no. it feels basic to be like, well, they're weird movies. People didn't get them, but that is essentially. And that's also like the Wachowski's film filmography, like in a nutshell is that you're like, I mean, they are Dungeons and Dragons playing kinky dorks. And that is their entire film of year, you know, (laughs) like especially the matrix films. Um, and I think that's why they become really lore heavy as well is because like the further you get along in your Dungeons and Dragons campaign, the more lore you accrue. Um, And so I think that's a big part of, at least with these films, how they came about. And I think, you know, at the time people were so hyped for the matrix. Like you literally, we all own the soundtrack on CD. Like people talked about it constantly. We dressed like it. People like it was such a big cultural moment. And obviously, which hopefully we'll talk about later. It's then had this weird political effect in the world. Oh yes. We Um, will be talking about it. Not um, great. (laughs) But it was so huge. And then people were just desperate to see the sequel. I remember when reloaded came out, people were like, okay, like, good as the first one but we were pretty here for it but revolutions people were just like oh no what was this it's just one fight scene the whole time Um, like reloaded has some great sequences though like that highway chase scene is like truly like my brain like open to a fifth dimension watching that it's like so engaging and so good and there is so much i love reloaded just point blank but it's like you can see as you're you're like spot on it's just like that that dip but you had said earlier how people were dressing like the matrix in my brain i'm sure we've all seen the video from like the 90s where it's like the news station going down interviewing people about like what character they're dressed as from the matrix and it's like the last guy's dressed as like a sentinel and he's in like a cardboard like suit or whatever you're just like oh my god the 90s this is incredible yeah it was like this was era defining in a year like 1999 quote unquote best year of cinema right this was like Oh, it's yeah. it's just you can't really overstate what a huge huge impact this had on filmmaking, on culture, on fashion, on music, on I mean, like this was, genre. 
It was very peak Generation X in a lot of ways. Um, like when I was just watching it just now, one of the things that struck me is uh, in the beginning, they tell Neil, like, follow the white rabbit, which means he follows a bunch of goths to this like leather bar. Yes, or whatever, obsessed. Like a vinyl, vinyl bar. Um, and there's just something so quintessentially like Gen X about that. Like you would not today, no one would take you to a goth bar as like the... No. Um, significant place to have a beginning of a revelation about your identity. But of course, right. it makes perfect sense when you think about the Wachowski sisters who are running around like the kink community in San Francisco yep, and going yep. to those parties and having revelations about their identity, right? Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> but you don't, you wouldn't find that today. No, no um, Zoomers are running out to the goth club to have their big <laughs> no. moments of revelation. Definitely. No. Not sure there are goth clubs anymore. I think they're all gone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, this, this movie <laughs> exists at like the perfect time for this to exist. And it's, as you were saying, it's like such a distillation of everything that the Wachowskis were into, like interested in. And there yeah. are so many articles. I mean, like, we'll obviously talk about it, but there's so many articles. And like Lily and Lana have both said that this was like them in their coming out movie where they were like not out yet, but everything throughout it is basically just like them exploring parts of their identity and realizing like, you know what? I think I want to transition and like seeing just like all those different like queer themes pervade throughout it is so fascinating on rewatch. And then the fact though, that culture doesn't like, people didn't really pick up on it well i'm sure maybe people picked up on it then but like for like all four quadrants to be so into this movie while it's also like so littered with queer themes is like is one of the coolest things ever it's awesome and not just the movie but everything around the movie as well like i'm you're both too young to know this but the matrix was part of um the this wave of like immersive films where they were trying to breach the film and the real world by using the early internet. So right before the matrix, you had very famously the Blair witch project, which set up a website, making it seem oh, like yes. those three characters actually did go missing. And let me tell you, I went to go see that in the cinema too, in Florida randomly. And, um, oh, no. <laughs> and I was a child by the way, but I went to go see that with my dad in Florida. And I, we both had no idea that it wasn't a real movie. Like when people went to see that movie, they truly had no idea that it was fake yeah, until like a few weeks after the movie came out and someone did like a bit of an expose. But anyway, the matrix did the same thing. They had this website, which I think was called, it was either enter the matrix or matrix online or something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it was, it was less trying to convince you that it's real, but it was, um, they had all these different like short stories by different famous writers, including Poppy Z bright, who, um, is a queer horror author and who subsequently transitioned. Um, he's a trans man, named, uh, trans man now named Billy Martin. He still uses Poppy Zebright as a professional name, so I'm not detonating him, yeah. FYI. But, um, but I think that's really interesting to think about um, when we're looking back as well. Is like not only was mm -hmm. there a character who was intended to be trans and the filmmakers were eking out their own trans identities through writing this movie and directing it, 
but also the people they brought in around them were also part mm. of that. And like Poppy Z Bright at the time was like, you know, going in Playboy magazine being like, yes, I identify as a man. I live as a woman, but I identify as a man <laughs> for like 20 years and then finally transitioned. Um, anyway, so just an aside. That's so cool. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, this is like has one of the biggest like trans media like pro like a projects with it like because you're saying like there were comics and like the animatrix and like all of these tie-ins to like build out this world it was like such a project and the fact that it, like all stemmed from them to bringing on all these like different creators from different backgrounds to like flesh out this like highly queer androgynous story fucking rules like we not, like, don't really get that anymore. Like, and everything, I think, feels more corporate now if it is going to have these tie-ins. This is, like, one of the best. The Matrix is one of the best, like, oh, my God, they got away with it <laughs> projects. And that it's, like, it's seeing how it's been, like, unpacked. And I don't even want to say reclaimed because, like, this is a film that was, like, created for queer and trans right. people. But, like, it's just so crazy that, like, this is, like, the biggest blockbuster undertaking, like, ever done by like trans artists and like the matrix uh why did i yeah the matrix resurrections yes is yeah. gonna be like the biggest blockbuster ever directed by someone who is out publicly as trans and it, it's like it's just crazy to think about one this is like this is this is the sample size it's right. like just the matrix but like it's so exciting and i can't wait to see as you can hear, sorry, this cold is like really kicking my ass or my voice box's ass, but I really feel fine. You kind of sound I apologize. like Smith. I do. You're going into Mr. Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it might improve my Neo impression, mm. but I don't know. Can you give it to us? I know Kung Fu. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Everything or if is... you do the switch, you're the... the... No, Not like this. Um, everything <laughs> is a mess in my voice box, but... Long story short, I'm very excited to see like how these themes are reapproached mm. in the the 2021 movie and like what the difference is when you're when the the Wachowskis are like acting from a place of like being publicly out. Totally, yeah. totally. Yes. Yeah. I I wonder what the uptake is going to be from audiences because one of the things that's really interesting about the Matrix as a blockbuster film like as you both touched on before is that it's full of philosophical and spiritual themes. Um, like mm -hmm. it's a movie that has something to say and we've just gone through 15 years of the MCU, which are movies that have nothing to say about anything. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not above them. I do see most of them on planes and whatever, but, um, <laughs> they're movies that are like paint by numbers made to be as popular as possible. And to mm -hmm. have as little to say about anything as possible. I mean, literally, the American military helps subsidize the making of these films, so they can't they can't critique anything really about the American Empire. Um, yes. Whereas the Matrix is very much not that. Um, like, if you're watching the Matrix, when they whenever they kill one of the Smiths or one of the agents, that person turns into a cop. <laughs> like yeah. your enemy movie, in the matrix yeah. is always cops <laughs> yes yeah which rules this movie yeah it's a very like ahead of its time and like talking about things and you were talking about like themes like this movie is worth like saying like philosophical stuff and like if you want to even just talk about like the matrix as a core concept itself yeah like there's obviously the trans read of it where you're talking about like 
your online gender experimentation and like the image that you want to create of yourself versus like the image that the government and like the like society has like forced upon you and like you being a queer person trying to like break free from that to find yourself like all of that read you can do but then there's also like the themes dealing with like mental illness and like depression and anxiety and like like suicidal ideation and like all these things like within the matrix as well so it's like there's something for like everyone to kind of like pick into into this and like this movie is like questioning like and asking you so many things to think about while also then having like kung fu action sequences so it's able to kind of walk this tightrope so well and you don't see like movies like this kind of ever anymore as you were saying like you know for four quadrant blockbuster movies like they're so focused on just like hitting the quadrants and being enjoyable versus this movie so clearly from the get-go being like I have something to say. I'm going to say it, but I'm also going to show you some really fucking cool stuff. So if you just like come along for the ride, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. And like, obviously this was a, a standout and like still is, a, is an anomaly, but like this is a great example of why blockbusters like can push boundaries and like can have something right. cool to say. And obviously it's like, you look at later films in the Wachowski lineup and like how those fail to connect with audiences for reasons that the matrix did and how it it sometimes is like sort of like lightning in a bottle. But regardless, it's like, I'd rather see 50 weird, like experimental, cool Mm -hmm. giant blockbusters than like we said, the parade of MCU movies, which are all very desperate to tell you that they're saying something are very interested in being like, this is a film about feminism. This is a film about trauma. This is a film about immigration. While, not delivering like yeah anything that's just become yeah. so pervasive now we're just on movies like there was this thing going around on twitter where it's like all horror movies now are like so about trauma and they're be telling you that something. they're about trauma it's like trauma 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 and it's like horror movies from before were about trauma but like weren't it's not so on your sleeve like everything now is like the media literacy has gone so down that people are like unable to kind of like actually read into things and take things on like subtext and like actually read into movies where we're having to now be like so told and like bold Mm -hmm. underlined italicized like this is the movie we know versus being like here i trust my audience to be able to read into this thing and actually understand what i'm trying to say well i think i think part of this and you know i i don't speak any any ill on her name but some of this is the fault of like the bechdel test um, the oh, popularization yes. in the 2000s and 2010s of the Bechdel test as like the one media literacy thing people were obsessed with. Like the Bechdel test for people who don't know comes from a lesbian comic book called Dykes to Watch Out For by Alison Bechdel of Fun Home mm-hmm. um, fame. And anyway, the Bechdel test is basically about um, does a movie have two women who have names who talk to each other about something other than a man in the film? Like, it's like a baseline for whether or not women are actually represented in a film. And I feel like in the, like, mid-2000s, all the way up until very recently, like, late 2010s, it was all we could talk about online, about movies. And I think it just, that combined with an onslaught of, like, really shit movies, I think has, like, killed our ability to watch films in an 
in a way where we're actually interested in what they have to say. I mean, that's not entirely true. To be honest, as a historian, like if you go back, if you go to like the, the 70s or whatever, people can't fucking watch movies then either. Like, right, right. People aren't, <laughs> people aren't great at things. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, with this movie, this movie got, as we'll, we'll obviously talk about later with the men's right activist stuff, well, but yeah, like even at the time, media literacy. like literally, yeah. but like this movie was hit with like Columbine and school shootings and like violence in media. And this was like, just as like that is starting to crest and then you get that with video games and everything and people are like this movie has guns violence is going up these two are connected people who are watching these movies like are gonna be violent and it's like if someone's and it's completely skipping over like the entire conversation about like mental health and like what that is and just like not recognizing that like a person could watch this movie and also act violently but there's something there just immediately tying the two together is a complete just miscalculation of like what the movie actually is. I was thinking yeah. about this when um when I was watching it and you know there's that famous fight scene in the reception of the building uh when they're going to try to res- uh to rescue Morpheus, right? And um when he has the guns. Yeah, he goes through the metal, detector. Through the metal detector, yeah. he has guns and then he and um Carrie Ann Moss's character Trinity like kill all of these guys. And I was thinking about that and I was like, could you make that scene nowadays because it's ju- it's literally a no. mass shooter event, you know? Yes. Like it's yes. really uh it doesn't read as well today, let's say. Um but it's interesting because in 1998, 1999, um again, you're too young to maybe have personal experience of this. But there was this huge culture war going, as you were just saying, around video games, music that mm-hmm. was too explicit, um, yeah. and ultimately the Columbine shooting. And those things, let me tell you, even in Canada, where I was at the time, um, those had a huge effect on like my life directly. I was like a little weird, um, gender weird goth kid. And <laughs> when Columbine happened... I was suddenly getting called into the principal's office. They were like mm-hmm. on me, yeah. like you would not believe. Like they treated me so horribly after that, even though I was like, wouldn't have hurt a fly. You know, I think the Matrix very much was part of that conversation. And yeah, anyway, I just think, um, I wonder if you could even make this kind of pop, pop, bang, bang, kind of shoot them up. Um, mm. movie where people are just going around shooting all kinds of like randos basically like those guys in the reception they're fully randos like they're not yeah right you're starting the fight you know um yeah cannon fodder <laughs> but it's 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 interesting to watch this movie because it's like i would not at all describe this movie as like quote-unquote glorification of violence but right. it's like when they go to rescue Morpheus and he was like, we're going to need guns. Lots the of guns. The shot in the white room with all the guns come out it's just is like so cool. But you're also like, that's so many guns. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like we, like we said, it's very different to watch it now, but I don't think that it's aged poorly by virtue of the, the movie itself. Right. It's like, yeah, you want to shoot a bunch of people with some guns to go rescue your friend. It's an action movie. Like, of course we're going to do that. I think it also walks that line as we're saying, well, because it, then again, they don't really dig into this, but like because they are in the Matrix, and technically, like when you die in the Matrix, you die in your goopy real life. But of course, it, it does sort of have that like computer. It's like you're in a computer world, so I I wonder if just because of that, and because like physics and like things like that necessarily don't exist within the Matrix itself, it sort of like gives you a step above 
like your your brain's almost like a little bit more comfortable with it versus if it was like super grounded do you know, I, mean, I, I don't know do you want to know but... do you want to get into the grim thing with that though is like and i i'm it's not one of these grim. people i'm not one of these people who's like anti-video games or whatever but the argument that video games desensitize us partially partially bears out when you think about um, like, for example, the collateral murder video that Chelsea Manning released, uh, which eventually leads to her arrest and imprisonment, unfortunately. Anyway, she's free now. Um, she does Twitch streaming all the time. Um, <laughs> but like that collateral murder video is a bunch of very young soldiers shooting at real human beings as though it's a video right. game because of the remove of doing it through screens like and doing things remotely, right? Um, right. And yeah. so like, in some ways, I think the Matrix, I think what you're saying is absolutely true that like, at least for like, Neo and Trinity, the way Morpheus explains it in the film is basically, if you're not one of us, you're potentially one of them, right? And right. so anyone can be an agent. Exactly. Anyone can hide as an agent. So you have yeah. to kill them, right? But that's also yeah. like this kind of horrific um, justification of war <laughs> and murder. Yeah. Right. Us or them, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. It doesn't really matter yeah. who right. you are. Yeah. Which is interesting then in the context of the wider movie or the franchise, sorry, because then like at the end of three, basically like the only way that they can win is like a symbiosis of like machine and man where like Neo has to go to the machines and be like, we have to be peaceful together in order to achieve like victory. Like we can't fight anymore, which is kind of a interesting subversion of it. Cause you would think like it would be a raw, raw, we have to beat the machines, but instead it becomes like we have to work together with them, which I feel like, has like an interest it's just like an interesting purview then i guess on this movie like it's the wachowskis i think like looking back or at least like maybe thinking about it more because i feel like throughout all their films they're kind of like humanist filmmakers oh, even though they have action yeah. stuff like most so humanist, much about their yeah. movies is like love and family and like coming together and these like big things on like cloud atlas you look at is like how love can transcend time or whatever you know like so much is they're like very emotional nerds. Yeah, I mean, Sense8 is exactly the same, which is like a, a, something that I, a piece of media that I love very deeply. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. Mm. So weird, so complicated. But like, I love it because it, it does have those very like central, like love is person to person and it transcends time and space and gender and presentation. Mm. And it's about like just being together as like one human body. Like that, that, mm -hmm. that, theme shows up over and over again and i mean they definitely love human bodies coming together like with that rave sequence <laughs> sorry it's it's a great club yeah it's extremely like bay area hippie optimism humanism um yeah but yeah i love sensei and in some ways i feel like um as much as you know there is a new matrix movie coming out i think sensei is really their older more mature take on the same themes mm. yeah um yeah like ultimately but from the position of better understanding themselves um because as totally. they as they've talked about uh, uh, quite a bit recently about the matrix like they were figuring themselves out on the page like lily said that yeah. um they didn't actually have the word trans to describe themselves they didn't they didn't have any language for it. And so what you're seeing in the script is them trying to work it out. But I think when they came back to very similar themes in Sensate, um, I think that's them 
really getting to a point of more deeply understanding what they were trying to get at in the first place, both themselves about their own lives and about mm. the message for humanity, basically, um, yeah. which is evolve or die, kind of. Yeah, basically, like if you want to succeed, you have to be like a good person and you have to like get into this, like you said, hippie Bay Area, like humanistic, <laughs> like, it's just all about love and it's about like understanding humans at like an individual level and not without all these like societal barriers that we put on them, which is so clear from like the very first few frames of the matrix. Right. Do you think I, we should talk about, talk the, about the movie? Because there's so <laughs> many so. interesting. Well, if we go through the plot, yeah. I feel like yeah. there's so many interesting little thematics that like pop up, like literally shot by shot, scene by scene. I mean, yeah, that will like cover double the ground. You know, there's so many shots. trying to be strategic. There's here. no, you're smart because there are so many. Like as we were saying before we hopped on, I was talking to Brooke, and I'm like, there's so like sometimes we'll talk about a movie and we won't talk about the plot or we won't talk about like things. We'll talk about like the queer themes more, but like with this movie, it's like plot, and then even like within like shot specific things, you're like, oh. We can like break down this one shot that like talks about like how they're feeling about like their transness, which is for a movie to be like so microcosmic on like that to that detail is so beautiful. But anyways, yes, let's talk about the movie. <laughs> can we do a little, I just quick pre-pro maybe quick on pre-pro. like how, like, I guess like the thing is like the fact that always blows my mind. One, wait, we haven't even mentioned this. This is a Wachowski's themed month. Oh yeah. LOL. Um, <laughs> I just, we were just realized that. So excited about talking about this. Yes. I'll uh, reiterate it at the end of the the episode too. But this is kicking off a whole month where we're talking about the Wachowskis and their and filmography. Their films, yes. Select films in not totally in preparation, but also a little bit in preparation of the Matrix Resurrections, Facts. which will be out by the time you're listening to this, uh, and we will have an episode on that later this month. Beautiful. So great. It's great. We're going to try and, you know, in the interest of not making this a five-hour episode, save a lot of talk about the filmmakers and, like, how they've evolved for our later episodes. Sure. Um, but, yeah. But anyways, yeah. We love them. Yes. And it's so great. exciting to talk about We're them. highlighting them. Okay. But the fact Free that this is their second movie after Bound is truly one of the most, like, mind-blowing things to me because, like, they're baby filmmakers. And, yeah. like, coming mm. off of Bound, like, they had only written something then, like, when Joel Silver gets attached, uh, they try to go to and bring this into Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers is basically like, no, absolutely not. Like, what the fuck is this movie? And then for them to have to push, make a 600-page storyboard outlining every fucking shot in this movie. Yeah. And then for them only to get $60 million for this movie, which is not a lot of money and it looks at the great. time for a big-budget movie like this, is just mind-blowing. Yeah. It's so cool. It's the coolest. I mean, they initially got 10 mil to basically go sort of like as a showing of good faith. And they went and they put together the opening Trinity fight sequence mm-hmm. and then brought it Which back rules. to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers was like, yeah, okay. Like, That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's like, there's so many pieces of just like on the filmmaking side, like things that hadn't been done before, like the spinning cameras. Bullet time, yes. Bullet time, of course. Which becomes like influences filmmakers forever like Zack Snyder's entire career is probably built upon bullet time and I texted you this but like at the end of revolutions when Smith and Neo fight it's literally just his Zod versus Superman fight in Man of Steel like he looks at it and he's like 
I like what these Wachowskis are doing. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think that I've heard this like on other podcasts and articles and everything, but it's like after the matrix coming out, every movie that was in the genre was either a response to the matrix copying it or was actively trying to be not like the matrix and that they wanted to differentiate themselves. Like it's, it just landed and it defined like everything. Right. It's absolutely genre defining really. Um, And you still feel it like, as you're saying today with Zack Snyder, you still feel it in films and TV shows today and not even just Hollywood stuff. Like you can see it, you can see its influence throughout world cinema. Like it's really wild, but it's so funny because it's like, I just feel like so many of the people who saw this film got so many of the wrong things out of it. Like, yeah, that stuff is like cool, but there's so much more the movie has to say. (laughs) Um, Like even the spiritual themes are really interesting. Like obviously, as you were saying, there is that kind of like Christian read on it, but you can also do a Buddhist read on it. There's like Mm -hmm. big themes around um, like quote unquote Eastern spirituality or like Western people's ideas of Eastern spirituality, let's be honest. But yeah, everyone was just like, pop, pop, bang, bang. How do I uh, <laughs> right. How do I do that fun shot where everything seems to be frozen? Uh, I remember yeah. that, was yep. on, um, that was on TV all the time. They had, uh, they were these like TV shows. They probably still have them where it's like entertainment tonight. And they like tell you all the behind the scenes stuff on the movies. So they were constantly, oh, yeah. yes. we were like inundated for a year with, um, like the breakdown of how they did the bullet time shots and things. And it's like, I'm 12 years old. I don't need to know this, but cool. (laughs) Right. And then it gets parodied so many times where you're like, even like Shrek does like the Trinity shot or whatever. And you're like, every movie is riffing on this and like these movies. So then you're like, as a coach, you're just like so deadened by it after a while. And you're so right though, that we also got every single like wrong thing about this like i mean blockbuster should have been like more philosophical and digging into these things and and no that doesn't happen and just so that we talk about it then we never have to talk about it again it literally spawned the like men's rights activist movement for no fucking reason at all other than that people are stupid and don't understand what this movie is about but there was like a great tweet and i'm sorry that i can't remember the exact parties involved but i think it was elon musk and someone else were tweeting about Uh, how they were red pilled yeah and lana wachowski literally tweeted at them and was like fuck both of you it was yes it was it was Ivanka Trump Um, and Lily was like fuck both of you I love Lily Wachowski so much thank you Um, I mean I love Lana too but I'm like the biggest Lily Wachowski stan Um, and especially with what she's doing now work in progress which is this great very funny queer TV series for I think HBO Um, yeah but yeah it's it's interesting it definitely it's not the origin of the men's rights movement, to be clear. No, that no, no. starts in well, actually it starts in the nineteenth century, which is annoying. Um yeah. but <laughs> it it's had this big effect on basically Reddit and 4chan. Right. Um and resulted in even people creating like th- this new thing being black pilled, which is just what Oh my god. That's like where you become an incel mass murderer, basically. <sighs> 
Um, so yeah, everything sucks. It's super depressing. Yeah, everything is terrible, but incredibly ironic that like the people who are so into that are very anti-trans. And Lily and Lana have been like, "No, we were talking about being trans." Like, right? They're choose- like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> Literally, fuck you. Choosing the red pill is transitioning. <laughs> like- <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. It's all. It's like the pills of like hormone treatment, or like if you want that, read, or like choosing to like break out of yourself. Like, there's so many reads into like the pills and for men to be like no it's about like recognizing that society is like built these walls against men it's like fucking god complete misread of the goddamn movie i mean it's it's weird though because um there is an incel character in the movie and he's the bad guy like cypher is literally the like proto incel he's his whole thing is he's mad trinity won't have sex with him and he mm-hmm. all, he kills all their friends and almost kills Trinity over it. And then, yeah. like, he is unequivocally one of the worst people in the film. At least Agent Smith, you can kind of identify with Agent Smith because he's at least, he's programmed to be that way. Like, that's all he is. Yeah. is right. a, he's like a computer programmer. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, Cypher has a choice. Cypher has, like, humanity and says fuck it to that humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, ignorance is bliss. I and mean, I mean, like the great Joey Pants Joe Pantaleon delivering the goods from Bound, but it's like you're so right. It's so upsetting and unsettling because you're like this type of man exists, and I know, like I see him online all the time, yeah. which is gross and terrible. And we live in a bad world. But you, you even get like a little two for one because the character of Mouse, who's like a little bit mm, more, yeah. you know, not as creepy, but is still like a guy who's mm. like, hey. I created this lady in the matrix and you can right. go You're like, you want to fuck, fuck her, her right? You want. Like he like they, and it's, it's great because obviously this is a movie about like, you know, going online and like what online spaces look like. But I love the idea that like the crew is holed up in their little ship and it like a really shitty ship. It's basically like being alone in your room. Like yeah. you are stuck in this world that there's nothing to do except log online into a more interesting world and like try to make things better there right Um, find your community yeah exactly this is like i feel like an interesting time too i was reading something and how like in 1999 this fight club american beauty all come out at the same time and there are three movies that have kind of been like misread and like have a lot of like discourse about them in terms of like how men have like kind of a misread on them like with fight club and American Beauty, it's, like, all about, like, how, like, men have been stripped down and, like, society is, like, viewing them as, like, this way and we have to fight back and, like, this kind of has that tie with the Matrix. But with those movies, it's, like, directed by, like, heterosexual straight men. And then again, I think Fight Club is a great movie. I just think there are so many wrong, like, reads of it. Like, people can't actually, as we were talking about with media literacy, but it's fascinating that those three movies all come out the exact same year and have had like the almost exact same trajectory where like men have weaponized media to further benefit themselves while like not actually having a cultural understanding of like what the movie actually meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's all terrible, but no, I definitely, I definitely see that, especially with fight club where it's like, literally that's the thing it's critiquing. Um, but because people are so, mm-hmm. uh, not good at reading movies, um, they walk away being like, wow, I want to be like Brad Pitt. I want to like blow up a building. Right. It's so wacky. I just don't understand how people walk away from those movies and think that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it is. It's. It's. I mean, I don't think anyone's really trying to reclaim American beauty, probably for the best. But like, well, it's not been now. exciting. <laughs> not no. definitely not now. Um, it's been very exciting to see people. Again, I don't want to say reclaim for the Matrix because it's like the the intended right. audience for the Matrix has become like the largest voice, which is exciting. But like with Fight Club, it's sort of like people for the most part now realize that like Fight Club rocks, and like if you like Fight Club, that's cool. You should just be aware of the themes that it's like trying to put right. forward. So I think like there sometimes has to be this total misread of things for there then to be like intelligent pushback that mm. like really interrogates what the the films are actually talking about thematically. And again, that's how you know that like you're really in the cultural conversation is when people wildly misinterpret your stuff. That means that you're hitting all four quadrants. Right. Exactly. You're hitting a huge audience who there's bound to be people who just fundamentally misunderstand uh what the film is about but we're cool yeah and we understand what the film is we're great (laughs) should we go to the Uh, plot now should we try to let's do it we're gonna do it yeah okay i think it's yeah let's dive in i I mean mean, it opens with neo well i guess it it does not it opens with with trinity i know i'm sorry technically the first word is by cypher picking up the phone that's true but it is trinity and Yeah. The fucking names in this movie are so cool. I'm sorry. Just like Cypher, <laughs> Apoc, Trinity, Morpheus, Switch. Neo, Switch. Can't forget about Switch. I want to like nickname myself that. Like <laughs> I go like my online persona is too fucking normal. I got to switch it up here. Oh my God. Switch it up here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally. Yes, go ahead. Literally <laughs> these names are the names of just like anyone on a goth forum or chat room in yes. the 90s i can attest to that as having been there in the 90s uh, little 12 year old we need like me. some triple we need like some triple x's and like some yeah. some underlines That's oh the x's that. were later the x's are 2000 oh yeah, x's, oh. Yeah. x's is my See, generation where it's like xxx X underscore like whatever your fucking yeah. name is like with different capital letters that's and like then like MySpace, xxx at the end you know that's mine yeah space. yep <laughs> yeah oh god so well, this movie opens <laughs> well i think that it's interesting that like so it opens with like a patch phone call but the first like phrase that appears on screen is call trans opt which i right. believe is like call trans transactional operations or mm-hmm. something like that but uh super interesting because right. the film bookends that at the end too uh, which is nice. But yes, it opens with the sickest action scene of all time. Trinity showing oh, cool. up in her great leather. I think we can speed through what actually like happens happens because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's more interesting to talk about like, oh, like this is a scene with a yeah. sick ass split diopter. And obviously, like we talked about the spinning camera, which is like something that's very common now, but was so uncommon at the time. Right. And like it just comes out of nowhere. Right. It's so good. The first the moment she starts doing stuff, you're like, oh, fuck like yeah. this is so cool and you like it's combining like those hong kong action movies westerns anime you're like there are Very so many genres inspired. happening and it's like the only movie i think personally that makes gun fighting look okay because i usually don't like gun fights but i'm like these gun fights look cool it's got everything yeah i think that like the the martial arts and the the anime influence is like really important for mm. that because like not only is it like 20 movies within one movie but it's so crucial i think to like the staging and the composition of like a lot of the fight scenes like i even think about the first one of the first shots that we see of neo where he's asleep on his computer and like Mm -hmm. there's just like 
control boards like all around him yeah. and like it's this real sort of like cinematic look at his apartment that's like so anime oh yeah. like that's that's and what you yeah. have to know is that like anime was not well known at this time like it was yeah. just starting to get into the western like cultural consciousness but it was still mm. this like really nerdy really niche thing you couldn't find it anywhere there was like very limited animes that were available like ghost in the shell which obviously was a really big influence on this film Mm -hmm. Akira yeah those were like the two big breakthrough ones that you could find places but most of the other anime you couldn't really find it um and that's part of what I think makes this as you were saying like it makes this film feel very fresh and different from what was being made prior like if you compare this with like Die Hard as like another like blockbuster action movie right of relatively similar time period it's just night and day different the staging is different how the fights happen are different they're on a much different scale because physics Mm -hmm. is less important which rules (laughs) i love the shot of trinity like throwing herself off the building through the window where the camera basically like spins around her body as she's spinning in midair and it's sort of like this like swan dive into the window she's so cool and like the way that the sequence caps off with that like amazing close up. I mean, Carrie Ann Moss, like so striking, so wow. beautiful. I love how everyone who has like been freed, who is in the real world, obviously looks great in the Matrix, but I like how they're not super dolled up. They just look like very badass. They look so cool. Like Trinity still has like the very minimal makeup look switched to like obviously like mm. she's so cool. She looks so androgynous. And like not I like, like that. That's like a very sort of like conscious decision yeah. in that like you're putting on your skin, basically, you're like Put little online avatar, yourself, yeah. but it's still this very like tactical, cool, like androgynous mm-hmm. look. Well, the androgynous thing I think is in- super interesting. Then you have with Neo and Trinity, like there's that sex sequence in the second one yeah, where I mean, that's like they're having so sex iconic. and you can't tell the difference between <laughs> Trinity and Neo. Which mm-hmm. I think is like saying something about the queerness of this movie. Like this movie is playing with gender in so many different ways. And like even though Neo is like will like use like he him pronouns or whatever, of but course, like a yes. lot of like the trans read also goes on to Neo and like if you look at Agent Smith sort of as like the government and like society oppressing him, like he constantly dead names Neo by like Mr. Anderson when Neo is c- consistently like it's Neo, it's Neo, it's Neo. And like, he is just the only character who is like, Mr. Anderson. And you're like, you fucker, like you're the government, like you're the form where you have to fucking fill out like what gender you are. And you just like keep forcing him to like hit what he needs to hit. Yeah, I mean, that's my personal favorite part of the subway sequence is Mm. when Neo's like, my name is Neo and jumps up off the platform. It's sick. I am the one. (laughs) Yeah, he is the one. Anyways, so yeah, so Trinity. Uh, Trinity. She escapes through a phone. Yes. I love that close up of oh, her yeah. and her, her face. She's so striking. Um, it's awesome. Know your you men have are no already idea. Dead. You have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no. For like 30 minutes, Mm-mm. but it's so compelling and you're so with it. It throws um, you in. It also, as you were saying, like, we don't get movies, as we've said throughout this whole thing, that look as composed and as well shot and paced as this. Like, you can yeah. see the action we don't get to see the action anymore and even though this movie gets hit with like the green tint or like, like the coloring etc people are like it, looks cool. it still looks cool yeah. when you guys watched it question did it have a super green tint or was it more toned down because my watch looked toned down on my HBO dvd Ma- oh you have the dvd uh, i watched on hbo max where did you watch it Morgan? Uh, i watched it on youtube and it definitely Love had it. like a green tint to it um but mm. i think one of the 
It definitely is a movie that used green screen for sure. Like oh. obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But compared to the blockbusters that are being made now where it is only green screen, like you can tell and that I think is part of what makes it a much better movie is a lot of the effects are practical effects. Like yeah. um when they're in that uh reception later and they're shooting it all up and whatever, that's all practical effects for the most part. They're not adding tons of that in. There's lots of like practical stunts, carry on moss. I mean, basically yeah. everyone on this film got injured seriously at one point or another. Hugo Weaving, um, Agent Smith had to have hip surgery um because it was like so bad really committing but um carrie ann moss in particular like did almost every single one of her stunts um all the like wire work which again i think is something taken from hong kong cinema in particular from kung fu films but now is not really the case today because again a marvel movie is 95 percent animated it's like then you get the ones that look good and it's like john wick and then you're like oh interesting the guys who uh did the matrix do john wick and you're like cool it makes sense that the movies that have these tangible real action sequence are from the people who made the last pretty good tangible action sequences. Yeah, I feel like it's, I feel like this is going to sound very basic, but like there's been a lot of talk recently about how like digital like really flattens everything out. It looks very muddy. And then like with the inclusion of green screen, everything is just kind of like very sludgy looking. Mm -hmm. And like, even with this film having those like very, very heavy green and blue filters on it, the contrast and the composition Mm -hmm. is so crisp and so intentioned that it feels like a design choice and not a failure of like digital filmmaking. Like there's been so many like, you know, very real world movies and shows that kind of have this like just brown sludge sludge look to them. And I think it's like a lack of contrast. And this is a great film that like uses contrast incredibly well. Right. Like in the real world, like real world it's all brown and they're in like tattered clothing but the browns look interesting and you're like the costume design is fascinating like everyone's in rags or whatever but you're like it works because like the way that they actually shoot and like production design things versus like being a boring brown it looks awesome yeah and of course we all know that the matrix looks the most cool even though it's like an office drone world (laughs) but like there's i think about the see after neo's computer wakes him up and tells him that the matrix has him yes one of the best line deliveries of Keanu just waking up and being like, what the hell? It's like yeah. my favorite. Whoa. He's so I love good. him. How do you feel, Morgan, about Keanu as an actor? I feel yeah, like this is a hot topic. Cause like, do a Keanu he is so good in this movie and people are like, he's not a good actor and I disagree, but I, I'd love to hear what your take is. I love Keanu Reeves. Um, I think he's a great actor in lots of ways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like i actually hate him. no 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 i love him it's okay you know i i love him from like my own private idaho i love him from uh, this yeah, yeah, and yeah. i also think there is something to be said especially after the past like five six years we've had of the me too movement that keanu reeves is like well recognized as one of the genuinely nicest people in hollywood like just a lovely mm-hmm. guy 
Um, yeah. And he's been super supportive of a bunch of like younger trans filmmakers. Like he's really just a genuinely cool guy. So I'm always thrilled when he's in a movie. I'm always like, oh, great. It's a Keanu Reeves movie. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan, I would say for sure. That's great. So we're, of course, oh, so yeah. are we. one of we're my stands. favorite quotes ever from Keanu Reeves is I think it was some article where they're asking him about a bunch of stuff and they were like, when you were shooting The Matrix, did you know it was a trans allegory? And he was like, no, but I think it's cool. Like, <laughs> that rules. I feel like really sums up. He's just like such a genuine guy. And mm-hmm. he's not saying that to like brush it off or whatever. But he's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's I'm I'm down. I like it. I'm he's into so it. Good. Um, he's so good. In and he's amazing he's in this a, movie. He looks he's a pale, pasty boy. And yes. that's this movie needs a pale, pasty boy. It's really interesting to think. So Will Smith was the number one right. choice oh, for yeah. this, right? And, and John, Will Smith and Johnny Depp. Johnny the Wachowskis Depp. wanted Johnny Depp. Could you imagine God. The, this movie with either of them? Mm. Like, no, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> no. Because nobody like really acts like Keanu does. Right. And I think it's like, first of all, he's such a badass. Mm-hmm. And like, but he's so chill about the fact yes. that he's a badass. Yes. And I think that's what you need because it's like, there's a whole idea that like, you can't just become the one you have to like, not believe you're the one and then make your own decisions like you have to like basically throw away fate so that like you can work towards your own goals and Mm -hmm. i think that like keanu is so i don't want to say like meandering but he's so like go with the flow Mm -hmm. that i think it works really well and that he's like oh it's okay if i'm not the one like that's fine i'm just doing my best out here (laughs) he has Um, this he has this kind of like chill to him that i think lends itself to the sort of um enlightenment uh reading of this film like he's kind of like a little Mm -hmm. buddha or like a little bodhisattva kind of situation whereas i feel like will smith you know i think will smith is secretly an underappreciated actor like if you go back and watch his first movie six degrees of separation he's fucking brilliant he knocks it out of the park Mm. that is like one of the best movies honestly and i think people rarely watch it but even though his like later stuff obviously he became a big action star and it's mostly like hacky action movies not very good um but he's very i think he's secretly very 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 talented but I cannot imagine him in this role because his his action persona is bravado. And you cannot have yes. that with this character. It just would not have been the same movie at all. No, yeah. he would be like, did you guys just see what I did? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or like it would be like that charismatic, like he's so confident he's that he's too, the one. Will Smith is too charismatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though Keanu is very charismatic, he right. is in a more like unassuming way. Yes. And I, I remember when I first watched this, I sort of like, it felt the trinity problem the way that Mm. i think a lot of people did even though now i'm like i love her she's the best but i was like i don't get like why we had to focus so much on their romance and i think like re-watching it this time and like having rewatched it recently i'm like no i love it Mm. i love that (laughs) bye for bye t for t true ever all of the above i mean it's great like we said q for q queer for queer always queer for queer of course okay i like it i think it yeah yeah. Uh, we can keep going. Let's I, keep going. I think w- I want to get to the Lawrence Fishburne introduction because we keep hearing about Morpheus. We're hearing about Morpheus. Who is this Morpheus? We hear his voice. You hear Lawrence Fishburne's fucking sultry, sexy voice. I mean, the man I wrote down and I tweeted this as well. The way that he says, yes, to Neo, like, it's just the best delivery of the word yes I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And but like we get to the basically Well, I think b- the only yeah. other scene we have to oh, talk about before we get to Morpheus scene. is the mm. stomach slash mouth yep. closed oh, scene. Yeah. yeah. 
I still can't really watch it. Oh, God, I still so have to hard. look away. When they put that bug the on belly button. his belly button, I'm like, I I can't. I have to look away before it like worms Even its the, way in. The mouth too, like a mouth sealing up is so spooky. I mean, I'm a fan. It's scary. I'm a fan of body horror. I'm a big body horror. Mm-hmm. Like um, Titane just came out this year and yes. I'm yes. completely obsessed with it. I've watched it like Let's three go. times. Um, yes. A good movie about gender identity. <laughs> you have three to tie to turn to yeah. tie the stands on this episode. Yeah, let me tell you, it's it's a lot, but um, you know, but even that, yeah, going in through the belly button just grosses me out on like a primal level. So it was very yeah. hard to watch this time for sure. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Woof. I mean, Hugo Weaving is so good, though. It's so funny seeing him with the other, like, because I guess, like, the background extras, I wouldn't say necessarily are great actors. Like, our big four, like, Joey, or I guess five, are all really good, and Hugo Weaving is so good. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's out acting all of the other agents and all the other, like, computer programs well, so much. Because it's kind they're, of great just like, he's like, they're just, like, random right. Australians that they rustled up off the exactly. street, you know? Right. And yeah. he's like, I am delivering the goods on this movie. Yeah. You're going to love me. It's great because, like, he's, like, Agent Smith Prime. Like, mm. he's, like, he's <laughs> the one that people are following. Yeah. So it makes sense that he's, like, the one who's basically setting the tone. And I love that everyone looks like him. Mm-hmm. It's, like... Yeah, like we said, literally to be like the government, white guys in suits, like literally Mm -hmm. like capital T, capital M, the man Mm -hmm. who like you're trying to fight against. Yeah. How about I give you the finger and then you give me my phone call. Yes, it's all there. Um, I love that this movie is just a bunch of weird Australians and people that weren't really well known, like Carrie Ann Moss, just like a Canadian rising star, Lawrence Fishburne was kind of in, like, a fallow period. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, like, a star. Yes. Yeah. And then Keanu, but, like, he hadn't had a hit since Speed. Speed, yeah. So it's great. Like, I, I think, like, that's how they got away with their $60 million budget. Right, one yeah. One of the many, many ways. Yeah. Anyway, creepy, belly button scene. Huh. Nope. Horrifying. Yeah, burned in everyone's And memory. then it gets yanked um, but, right out again. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He I want like, that suction thing. It's cool. It's so cool. <laughs> Um, like but then they meet. Hook. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, maybe, it, you know, but, you never know like what they do to build suction. that stuff. Yeah. So maybe that was like a part of it. You never know. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. Um, but so Neo's like living these two online lives. He's Are we going to talk about Morpheus's like speech? Because it is. I think, well, that's what I'm trying rich. to get to. Yeah, I know, so but Morpheus, I, I, I was, I let's just get wanted there. to, I yeah, just wanted to there. make sure. So okay. we get to Morpheus, my man sitting in a chair, there's thunder, there's lightning. He turns around. He has the coolest sunglasses that have ever existed in the history of sunglasses. Um, yes. And I mean, I feel like this is the sequence that like kicks off. Well, I guess there, there's trans stuff before, but this is really like the beginning. I feel like of a lot of the reads that you want to talk about. Like when we get into red pill, blue pill, the like online life that you're living versus the not online life that you're living, the, you know, residual self image, quote unquote. Yeah. 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 I mean, like the, the line that I always think of in that scene is obviously like, it's a very famous one, but Morpheus talking about you, you're here because you know something, what you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life that there's something wrong with the world. Not Mm -hmm. that there's something wrong with you, that there's something wrong with like the external structures. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. And Mm -hmm. like, this has been written about and talked about like many times before, but like a lot of people see that as, 
you know, gender dysmorphia and like how it feels like when you're trying to come to terms with like your gender identity. Um, and yeah, I just think it's like a really very clear and like very interesting like explanation of it. And it's just like delivered in monologue and like the first act of the film. It's like right. really laying out the cards. Yeah. And, um, and the way they shot it is yeah. very spectacular. Um, yeah. You know, with the mirror shades, um, which are, I think, obviously a reference to uh, William Gibson's um, uh, Neuromancer, right? With Molly yeah. with the mirror shades, who is basically Trinity. Yeah. It, when in the mirror shades, you see only one pill in each shade, a red through one and a blue through the other. And when Neo moves, he only moves in one of the um like you see his hand appear but only in one of the shades which i just think is so yeah. cool um so it good. kind of like suggests that there are sort of other universes co-happening like or like other timelines where maybe he doesn't pick that so yeah i love that and of course the red and the blue pill like there's so much you can read into them it's like it's the two genders reddit versus tumblr like <laughs> you know? yeah, we, literally <laughs> those are the real two genders <laughs> let me tell you or like in the 90s i guess it would have been like geo cities versus angel fire but both oh of you are maybe God. too young to know that <laughs> no of them though no of them yeah it's like we don't have the experience but we've done the research right, right. but we, you we to put in the like you were in the trenches you were fighting <laughs> you're one of our finest soldiers <laughs> um no but yeah it's, as you were saying it's great it's and awesome. it really like hits on i mean like that's what's so cool about this it's really about like people and i think like as we've talked about like it's like the transness is so built into it but i think it's also like the a queerness that we've all felt is like so much of queerness is sometimes finding yourself online and like finding your community. And so much of this is about like going online or going into this place where you feel like you can actually represent yourself and you can find a community of people that are similar to you, or at least can help you start to understand who you are. Yeah. And, and then like, as soon that as is... you do, Twitter rises up to try to destroy your hopes and dreams immediately. <laughs> Yes, of course. exactly. Yes. Who could, who could have predicted that the agents would really evolve into like into Twitter. Twitter reply guys? Yeah. <laughs> True. True and unfortunate. God. Um, but yeah, no, I like, I love how much being online is built into the themes of this movie because there's mm -hmm. a lot of cyberpunk media that uses that more as like window dressing. Right. I mean, I'm not going to complain about cyberpunk. <laughs> it's great. But like, this is a movie where the themes of being online and like you said, finding a community and like d changing how you present yourself and your name, like mm -hmm. literally your quote unquote screen name, right? Like are so built into the movie. Right. Uh, and because uh, the Wachowskis are the best there's, and like it gets especially heady in the sequels, as you know, but like there's so many little like bits about like, well, this is like very specific ways of how the internet works. Right. These are very specific pockets of like what makes a virus or what makes how like, nerdy they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great. It fucking rules. Like the world of this movie is cool. And it like, it takes like, if we wanted to, like I could do a whole two hours just breaking down like how each character represents like <laughs> this one thing, like in the sequels where you're like, this is actually like a backdoor like handshake where this, you have to like fight this person to log into your screen. And it's like, it's nerdy as fuck. And it's like people who like it, like myself, we're losers, but like, it's cool. And like, that's, I feel like, as you were saying in the beginning, like 
so much of this is like kind of nerds but like somehow like it became cool like that's how i feel about this movie like watching and i'm like i'm feel like such a fucking loser but like it's a cool movie at the same time this so. is obviously the coolest of the three. Mm. Oh because yeah. it's yeah it's the least lore heavy least and it's it's, yeah. it's it's the most kind of like people in leather hell yeah yeah um which I think is obviously why this right, is yeah. the one that like really stayed in yeah. the con- the cultural consciousness. But like everything, I think like because it's it's introducing us to this world, everything that Morpheus is saying feels like this huge, huge revelation. Because to Neo, it is. Because right. to Neo, it's being like, oh my god, there is something about the world that's wrong. Like right. I was right and thinking something was off like morpheus is just validating him you know <laughs> is morpheus such like a straight ally yeah is that our read except nobody in this movie is straight i don't well like, i don't please. think anyone any of the crew of the nebuchadnezzar are straight i don't think any of those are straight thank you. i think thank you. i think the matrix ex- itself is like heterosexual like heteronormativity mm. you know um yeah. yeah and a little bit of homonationalism uh that cypher cypher just a touch yeah, yeah cypher the incel being like i'm willing to kill all my friends if the matrix will accept me back in that's homonationalism right. <laughs> yeah. you heard it here cypher folks. cypher fucking sucks yeah, yeah he's but sucks. that steak does look good i won't lie it does <laughs> but I, I think i think we put a very a very good point on it earlier about how like representing like an incel type character and his like main basically you know thesis being like ignorance is bliss is just much more relevant than we could have ever anticipated totally yeah and that he's choosing to not see the world for what it is is choosing to like live in this this bubble where like he's on top he even says i want to be rich Mm-hmm. Right. I want to be someone important. Well, like when you an say actor. on top, he literally goes on top of Trinity while mm. she's like sleeping in the Matrix and like uses his masculinity. Even like he's forcing himself upon her. It's a creepy scene. It's so fucked yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like basically, his character is identifying with the oppressor. Is being like yeah. actually, yeah. it is better to be oppressed, to be over there, you know. Um, which is, I think, why he kind of can represent that sort of homonationalist um, sort of instinct. Like we're seeing right now here in the UK, anyway. There's this kind of like backlash against trans people. That's a huge moral panic, yeah. and part of what's going on there, a small part, but a very vocal part, are like LGB people who are coming out against trans rights. Cause they're like, we don't, we mm. don't want to be associated with those freaks. Like just let us, in, let us have gay marriage and we'll, we'll never bother you again. You know, we'll never be a problem. And it's like, baby, you think that's what's going to happen. But in reality, as soon as they're done with us, they're going to come for you next. You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's yes. Cypher. Yes. That's Cypher all over. He truly believes that he can just be slotted back in and everything will be perfectly fine. But in reality, I don't even think, even if he had succeeded, I don't think they would have slotted him back in. I think they would have just killed him. He would have been killed immediately. Yeah. 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 Uh, 200%. Yeah. It's great. I I think that that's that's a very, very shrewd read. And (laughs) it's like, I, I think that it's kind of exciting how, I think like, even though the real world of the Matrix is a hella dystopia, there's sort of these idealistic themes of like karma will come to get you and like the people that have, 
you know, noble aims will mm-hmm. actually win. Like, I love, we're skipping ahead, but like, I love when Cypher is about to kill Neo and he's like, well, if Neo's really the one, like, something's going to happen. I can't do this. And then it's like, something does happen. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not fate. It's still people making individual choices, but it all plays into like the greater fabric mm-hmm. of like what is meant to happen morally. And I think it's like inspiring in a way because obviously like the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar are not just a stand in for like, you know, the, the revolutionaries but like I do think like when you look at all the themes it's like they're queer people they're like the 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 minority groups that are like interested in enlightening society mm-hmm. as a whole um yeah. it's just it's cool as hell they're also I mean, communists about, <laughs> you know like oh yeah. absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're also so diverse as you were saying like rarely and like this movie is a little more white than the other ones but like you get into the sequels and like even within this movie like background actors and everything like it's a wicked diverse cast like you have a lot of people of color like in the sequels it's not necessarily established but there's like a lesbian couple that you see that are like fighting in revolutions and there's like so much like background work that they're doing to like create this like you dystopia utopia slash yeah like when they're having the rape sequence where it's like so many different people of so many different backgrounds all together kind of nice to see like it's all like a diverse like haven all these people working together collectively against the oppressors and like this like white straight and male society that like is just like hell-bent on like stopping them and it becomes like smith personified becomes like the image of like that the per the thing they have to destroy is this like white man like yeah. that is like it boils down to like him being the one i think it's a very good casting choice and that keanu reeves is not white right and like even though he's being plugged into this kind like of like prototypical yeah. like white guy savior narrative like he's not white and right. like i think that that is a significant step and i yeah. also love that like Lawrence fishburne is like the person they picked for his mentor when you're looking at like casting options for this film like i mean we talked about will smith and like johnny depp but like for morpheus and for everyone it seems like it was really like open diverse casting across mm-hmm. the board and that like they considered like white actors for morpheus and like you know they were kind of like open in general but i i think it's it's important or it adds a an exciting layer the way that it like shook out right yeah I think, you know, I, again, I love the Wachowskis so much. Um, and I think they do have really noble aims of trying to be very diverse. And they always have from the jump, like from, yeah from Bound even, um, you know, Jennifer Tilly as one of the leads on that. Um, honestly, that's one of my favorite movies ever. And I watch it all the time. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And yes. I also, oh, as my God. a screenwriter, as a screenwriter, I think it is one of the tightest scripts I've ever read. And the script is better yes. than yeah. the movie. If you, if you read the script, there's like some really funny moments in the script that don't make it into the movie. But, um, anyway, that's just an aside nerding out. Um, no, I'm a we're <laughs> well both of us, we but I would yeah. like to say I personally like am so 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 obsessed with that. It's and, like, hard not that, to be. It's so yeah. good. It just like knocks it's it so out of good. the park. Um, but you know, I think the Wachowskis they have such noble intentions around diversity, but it is very Bay Area liberal, and I feel like yeah. as you see throughout their entire kind of oeuvre, they they aim towards that, but then sometimes other themes will emerge that I think maybe they're just 
were at the time a little too naive um, to pick up on. Obviously, there's been a lot of writing from black critics about the um, uses of Morpheus and the Oracle as being kind of these like magical black people, right? Who like lead um, a character who is not uh, played by a white actor, but is definitely like read by a lot of audiences as a white actor. You know, like there's a lot to unpick there, um, even if that wasn't their original intention. And obviously there's a lot to be said about the use of the name Zion for the underground city (laughs) and like what that means politically. Um, but yeah, I do think I do think they had very noble intentions and they really especially around diverse casting and they really pushed the boundaries for 1999 for sure. Mm. Um maybe a little less so by 2021 comparison, but like for 1999 this yeah. is pretty good, you know. No, yes. totally. They're always aiming agree. very high. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Cloud Atlas right, we'll next week, Atlas, oh, yeah. which is oh, like yeah, that's a nightmare to talk all about. All of that. <laughs> Basically. Some things to pick into on that movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you're, I think you're we'll spot. Like, I was gonna. You're right with the Oracle, and it's so, tr- it's so fascinating with the Oracle too, because it's like that performance is so good, and that mm. scene is so fucking incredible. But you're also like, it's kind of that classic trope. We are like, it's this person of color, this nice old like black lady who's going to help this person like figure out their journey, and you're yeah. like, that's rough. As we were saying, it's like the '90s, but like. It's also not great. So it's walking that like very tight rope. And I don't think it's like a pass or anything like that. But it's just like one of those things that definitely bumps in this world. And I think it's also hard in studio filmmaking as we've bumped into a lot, like with four quadrant films to get an actual like very progressive like story out there because you have so much studio influence and like with so many like cooks in the kitchen, it's really hard to have this thing that's going to appeal to so many demographics while also like having such a progressive take because so many of those demographics, as we talked about earlier, like are unable to actually like parse through that. Right. And like, as we'll talk, yes. like, like with switch, especially mm-hmm. like yeah, the studio I mean, was basically just like, what do you wait? What do you mean? Like, well, one, we haven't talked about it. Yeah. Yet. Uh, so, so like, why don't you, get, well, yeah, let's, uh, let's transition into Switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, basically, do you want to give us the background? Well, yes. we're basically there in the plot anyway. Neo wakes up right, in the exactly. coop, and it's like horrific. And I still, <laughs> I can like feel those, um, those uh, like cables popping out of his skin, mm. and then he gets flushed down the toilet. Ah. It's just horrific. And anyway, they pull him up. Um, and then he wakes up and meets the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, one of whom has mysteriously, uh, perfectly bleached blonde hair (laughs) and is this very androgynous kind of like a butch character Mm -hmm. named Switch. And, um, when we eventually see Switch in the Matrix, unlike all of the other characters, switch wears entirely white and all of the other characters are dressed all in black and um a lot of people have picked up on that uh difference with this character and theorized about this character for a long time and it turns out this character was originally intended to be a trans character who was um basically assigned male in the quote-unquote real world and then had a female avatar in fact the even when they 
uh, were auditioning the actress who ends up playing Switch. The actress actually only auditioned to play the in Matrix version of Switch. Yeah. And it was like a change later down the line where they were like, oh, okay, actually, we're going to have you do the whole thing because the studio execs mm. couldn't wrap their heads around it. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and thought it would be too confusing and all of that other dumb but it's like, stuff. It's like a very classic like thing of like being able to like go online and, and be, present yes, differently yeah. to see how that feels versus like doing it in the real world. It's not to bring up. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh no, go it's ahead. like the hero origin story of like 90% of white trans women is like, I played a video game, realized I could choose a girl avatar and now I'm a woman, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. I saw this Halloween. I saw like a couple of really good tweets that were like, I just want to say good luck and you're welcome in advance to all the guys currently presenting as male who dressed up as female characters as Halloween. Like you're about to realize some stuff. <laughs> it's great. Um, not to bring up this cursed movie, a movie that I just like, but in Ready Player One, there mm. the Lena Waithe's character yeah. sort of like has a male avatar in the video game world. And then when you meet Lena Waithe in the real world, everyone's like, oh my God, you're right. a woman. And right. it's like, a very weird sort of like it's not played for shock value but it's played in a way that wants you to wants to remind you like girls can game too and right. it's just i when i remember seeing that and like being aware of this kind of like switch business from the matrix and being like you know it was done better or was attempted to be done better like literally in 1999 not like this not like this yeah Um, well and that's also that moment in ready player one is also basically what happens to trinity when neo meets trinity for the first time right right um literally yeah Yeah. i think definitely the matrix did it better in all cases oh i think we can all agree Yeah. yeah no but it's like yeah i love like how much this film is playing with like online personas and avatars and like gets you the bonus cool shit of like you can look cool and wear leather and sunglasses and like have unlimited ammo it's awesome great um, what does the cool thing of you don't even need unlimited ammo you can't just drop your drop gun your and you, you have more another guns. gun mega guns <laughs> um should we talk well okay so i think that there's too many scenes yeah but i know kung fu i know kung fu um, kansas is going by i like i feel like i have my scenes down by quotes that i was like okay this scene reminds me of this it's like kansas is going bye-bye i know kung fu and then you have jujitsu uh, the whole jujitsu thing would it have broken if i told you if i didn't say anything like well should one, we talk about the oracle, the oracle? scene because that Great. is like the coolest yeah scene and we you know we touched on it very briefly but like i uh there's a great article on sci-fi wire by laura dale that is like talking about trans themes on this movie there's also an amazing vox article by emily vanderwerf that's like also talking about and there's like a bunch of other other articles articles, too but specifically in the laura dale article there's a great section about like the oracle acting as almost like a medical gatekeeper Mm. to neo in a trans way where she's like i can't tell you that you're the one unless you believe you're the one basically like i can't diagnose you quote unquote diagnose you as like being ready to transition if you can't tell me that you're ready to transition. It's cool as hell. Yeah, I think it's a very, very interesting read in that like you can't tell someone that hasn't come out to themselves yet how they feel mm. about that. They have to decide for themselves just like Neo has to be like, well, I'm just going to do what feels right and that's going to make me the one. Mm. That's going to like allow me to be like fully actualized, which I had never thought about like that aspect of no. the read before. Yeah, it's great. It's a great scene, too. Yeah, it's such a great scene. And um, that actress who plays the Oracle is so lovely. 
Um, and she just, she hits the mark with every single one of the lines that she has, like the, um, and don't worry about that vase is just incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's really going to bake your noodle later? <laughs> oh yeah. I just love it. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, I hadn't thought about that particular trans reading before and I'm chewing on it right now. I really, I really like that reading. Um, I've always approached it more on the spiritual side because I'm like a little witchy woo. Right. Love it. <laughs> love it. And um, <sighs> it's definitely, it really is that moment where it is a reminder that ultimately um, you have to know for yourself what it is that you want in life or who you're going to be. There's no one who can sit around and tell you that you are going to be the one or you're going to be an accountant or whatever. Um, You have to, you have to make those choices yourself, which is, I think, um, terrifying to a lot of people, which is why society functions the way it does, because a lot of people are truly terrified to have any self-knowledge of themselves. And that's like, I think that's one of the things that all queer people unleash in a lot of straight people is this like existential fear that they might have to open the lid on what's going on inside themselves and be accountable for those feelings. I think a lot of straight and cis people are absolutely afraid, like shaking in their boots that they would have to own up to their own desires. And when we appear, we're confronting them with that, you know? So it's a lot of the homophobic, transphobic, biphobic, et cetera, reaction is this desire to repress their own, um, self-investigation basically and i love that the oracle um is very very gently (laughs) and very sweetly being like um not only uh do are you on this journey but like you're truly going to be on your own for a minute in this journey there's no help i can give you except to push you right back out the door You know, Uh, like Trinity talks later in the film. She's like, everything the Oracle told me came true. And it's like, how long was your conversation with the Oracle? Because all poor Neo got was like five seconds being told you're not the one. Get out. (laughs) Sorry. Take a cookie. Yeah. 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 Um, And of course, it's like, yeah. The oracles talk to Morpheus too, and that's why Morpheus is like so obsessed with finding the one because the oracle told him so. And it's like this idea that, like, you know, spiritually as well, like fate is playing with you as much as you think that you are attempting to play with fate. Like, Mm. the oracle personified will tell you whatever you need to hear to put you on the right path that you were always meant to be on, but that you wouldn't have gone on if she just told you straight up, like, you're the one, one. Right. Uh, go for it. Have fun. Like, yeah. you have to reach enlightenment on your own. And like the guidance that sends you there is like very much designed to like make you be a self, a self starter in that way. And to doubt yourself, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm so curious about with this character is like, is she, in the matrix like is she permanently living in the matrix or is she one of the people who lives in zion and it just plugs in every now and then to give her oracular stuff like i was just really curious about that i mean there's always with sci-fi films there's always unanswered questions and that's fine but yeah. i have an answer oh tell well, me tell say, me i don't remember i from do have sequels. an answer so in revolutions yeah. or reloaded you basically find out so she's basically a program 
that like works with the architect who like is the computer that like designed the matrix but she's kind of like works for human she's sort of like the balance because like this is going to get really lori really quick and i'm sorry so like there were previous versions of the matrix and like we're existing in like round five of the matrix. And so she's kind of like the matrix. The first time they did, it was like a perfect glorification, like a beautiful world, like no issues, like everyone in there was happy and it like fails because society like can't exist without conflict. Right. Then the second version was like a horror, like nightmare world full of monsters. And in the second movie, you get that with the Merovingian and the Frenchie. And that's basically what the second incarnation and he like lives. So the third one, she basically comes in and is sort of like, a balance for helping the one and like kind of she like evens out humanity to like kind of like not act as like a counter agent but like as like for all machines she adds like i guess like empathy into like the she's a moral compass yeah exactly so like she kind of guides the one to help because like basically in order for the matrix to work they need a one and so she guides the one on their path to keep the journey going I'm okay, sorry. No. That's a lot. But there is basically like an explanation that she's long story too long. Didn't read. She's a computer program. Oh my God. I love <laughs> yeah. that. And I love Fair. that that basically means that like um, the one is supposed to be the Buddha. The one is like um, supposed to appear like once in a, in a cycle basically exactly. to help lead people out of, um, you know, Maya out yes. of reality or whatever uh, towards enlightenment. Yeah. Right. That's so funny. That's exactly it. And what is so fascinating with this movie is like, that's why I really love the sequels a lot. I think too, is because it like takes like, I, I mean, this is like the, the one slash like the chosen one has been done to fucking death. And like, we all know the chosen one story, but I feel like what makes this interesting as you're touching upon is that there have been other ones. And so Mm. it's like, there have been ones before. And this like takes that to where then with like your own self discovery, where it's like, Neo has to go on this journey to recognize that just because there were other ones doesn't mean that he is like less than or whatever. Like he goes on this chosen journey. He's getting there faster than other ones have because he has, which is like, this is nerdy Wachowski stuff, but like he and Trinity, like their love, I guess like changes the trajectory of like his journey. And because he's not, he has humanity and empathy for humanity as the whole, but more of his focus is about like singular love with like a person versus like wider love of like humanity Humanity. as a whole. But it is basically like about the cyclical nature of how like there will always be a, like in storytelling, there will always be a chosen one, but it's like, how do we as a society talk about, the chosen one as a character. And I think that's fascinating on the larger context within the film industry. This is like industry, not talk or whatever, but like, I think at this point as audiences and as writers and stuff like that, we are so used to the chosen one myth of being like this straight white man, Mm. you know, the Harry Potters, the Luke's whatever. And it's like, we're sort of itching for those new stories and like those new narratives. But ultimately so much of storytelling is these stories that have been passed down for generations that are just retold with different Mm -hmm. modifications of it. And so now it's like, how are you going to tell that story from a, uh, this one's like from a repressed, like not out yet queer POV. And like, how does that turn out? So like, this is like coming from that angle. And I think it's just like an interesting conversation on the whole. Wow. I'm sorry. I just pulled out my soapbox and stood up. But I don't know. That was great. That was great. And it also made me think that I have to give the Marvel movies their due, which I can't believe is something that I'm saying because I truly, yeah, even though I go dang. to see them the all, journey. I hate them. But um, 
you know, with the with the Avengers movies and the fact that they've gotten such a ridiculous scale and every character has to be involved, in some ways it has started to deflate the um the one myth that was ruling yeah. cinema for so long and obviously like the matrix did really interesting things as you just explained with the one as did buffy the vampire slayer and i'd say that oh yeah buffy was yes. the first one to really destroy the concept of the one character if you watch season <gasps> seven i'm like a deep buffy fan but um oh it's <laughs> an essential task i have of American no cinema. time for its creator at all but i have all the time in the world for oh. buffy the vampire slayer um yeah Yes, no, very much no. so. Yeah, absolutely not for that man. But um, no, it's yeah, yeah. I think I think I think maybe audiences, maybe part of why we're enjoying like the Avengers style movies is that it is taking us away from that narrative that there's only one person who matters and only one right. person who can win. Like those giant fight sequences and um, some of the later Avengers movies where it's like. 30 different characters from comics all show up and each one is able to do like one really important task that basically kicks the ball down the football pitch or whatever i don't know from sports yeah. but like <laughs> football pitch i yeah it works. no that's you what it. they call it in the i mean like soccer yeah, soccer. yeah no in yeah. london in yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no you're right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, i think you're spot on though like i this is going to be a, a really dumb example okay but like in paddington 2 oh i think God. that it, <laughs> we're keeping it london focused um but in paddington 2 i think they really do this beautifully and it's something that i really enjoy is like paddington you could have is like he's the one who has to save the day or whatever but i think what really works about that movie is that the family all like every single character has their own respective journey that they have to go on and they all have to work together in the end to like make like to save the day as you were saying where it's like every character has a specific task and it all works together instead of it being like all about like one character saving the day and i think that like at this point in like our cultural consciousness at least for me personally like i really love seeing wholesome and like people coming together because i feel like so much of the content that we got for so long was like dark and gritty and like humanities against itself and like so much of what's happening in the real world is terrible so when you see kind of people come together to like solve something or save the day it's kind of nice and it also like as we're saying like kind of subverts that like the one yeah. myth in a little bit and i think that like because the one myth has been done to death we're pretty right. sick of of seeing it and like we're ready for something new but like you can see obviously from the matrix like when it's done well it really hits right like in neo's moment of enlightenment when he starts seeing the code and fucking like, rules stops the bullets and is yeah you know, dodging punches with like this totally benign just, look do, on do, his do, face. Do, do, do. Yeah. Like he's bored to tears. It's the best. It's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when he goes to, to save Trinity from like the, the falling helicopter. Morpheus is like, yes. Oh my God, he's right. doing he's it. He's the one. Yeah. He's beginning to believe or maybe yes. like, yeah. Yeah, he says yeah. he's beginning to believe. Yeah. Yeah. So like it can be done well. It just, yeah. Because yeah, with restraint. We all, like, as we said, stories are passed down for generations. And, like, it's really hard to break story structure and have the story, like, have an emotional impact. And, like, when you have a good one myth, like in this movie, it's hard not to get 
hyped up when the one starts happening and you get i think it is also like if you have the right storyteller telling the story it can be interesting and like as we're saying like also like if it's a queer read on it or whatever like that it also makes it more interesting because you're like oh this is representation this is nice to see like the one not be another straight man or whatever oh yeah yeah Yeah. and i i wonder how the new matrix movie is gonna take this up because i feel like um the wachowskis um really thoughtfully broke out of the one concept with sensate because it's literally it's eight people but also they're not the only cell of them like you do find out that there's all other cells of people around the world who are connecting and that the sort of end game is that everyone is going to eventually evolve to be able to do this right that's basically where sensate was heading sadly rest in peace it did not get there all the way I know, but um I know. such a shame and entirely because it was just too too ambitious because it's like let's yes. film in every country in the world all at once so expensive <laughs> like just but so worth so it worth, so that's worth like it. their filmography in general is just like i'm gonna push the bar like they yeah. are doing so much visual shit that no one else is doing like like storytelling wise visual wise sorry you, you were saying absolutely yeah. Yeah. but i really wonder um will uh the matrix four matrix resurrections Will we get to the point where Neo's role is actually to begin awakening other people into being Mm. that? And it's kind of suggestive. If you watch the trailer, um, there's a character. I have no idea what the character's name is, but it's kind of blue haired um, Asian. Uh, yeah. or presumably woman who knows maybe it's a they them sort of situation but that character I'd be here for it seems yes. to have some of the same power in terms of like bending reality a little bit that neo mm. has at least from the trailer so i have some hope that yeah. maybe maybe the maybe what we're dealing with is a different take on the one myth or like a breaking away from it because it seems like neo's gonna be like we'll have forgotten his whole enlightenment basically so either this is another one who's going to come wake him up or it's going to be his job to wake up and then start waking up other people that rules maybe i don't know that's how i I would i I would be (laughs) i love that i would be so thrilled to see that Mm -hmm. and like yeah in in general they really do like try to push back against the idea of the one or like recontextualize it so i i can see that continuing like very much so um and it's like you have this just the super cool world in which to like play around with it. Like, right. There's basically endless possibilities. Yeah. They could do yeah. kind of anything. Yeah. All right. All right. So yeah, let me, with let the me story, speed through. Yeah. So Morpheus gets captured. Thank you, Joey, Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants, you fucker. Uh, we won't miss you. Uh, he gets captured. I love that wall fight when great they're literally fight. in the walls. Yes. Uh, it's great. Although like the, the hand to hand combat is like pretty brutal. So good. Obviously, very cool martial arts stuff. Very exciting to watch, just like in close up of yes. like how many moves are happening. How they do it? No yeah. idea. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, a bunch of people die. Sorry, Switch. <laughs> Sorry, Apoc. Not like this. Rest in we'll peace. miss you. Not like this. Not like this. I use that the as best. a I use that as a reaction gif on Twitter all the time, and it's so grim. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> Not like this. Switch, Switch, man. Uh, we have uh, to stand. A- 
I know. But, you know, Trinity and Neo, they make it out. And then we're like, JK, we got to go back in. Right. We got to find Morpheus. We do get the bullet time fight. Because the Oracle is basically like, you are going to die or Or Morpheus Morpheus is going to die. die. And he was like, well, I'm not the one. So I can't let him die. Right. So I got to go and I got to die. It's fine. But we need to rescue him. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about the epic. We're going to need guns. Lots of guns. Right. uh, Elevator sequence. So a lot of good explosions in the third act here. Great. I'm Everything across the board. so obsessed with the shot where the helicopter flies into the building mm-hmm. and all the glass shatters. And then there's this giant the explosion. Ripples. It is the coolest thing yeah. ever. And that shot of Trinity swinging in the middle. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Like Trinity, Trinity cool. hitting the glass like that is super sexy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know yes. why, but it is very sexy. <laughs> It just looks, and it's crazy because that's like, that is like obviously like all CG shit, but it looks, but it looks so good. Really it's good. It's so well. And because I think it's their one big moment of like fire and like mm. explosion, it like hits right. very correctly the way that it's supposed to. Which I feel like the opening of the reload, it also hits hard because it's the first shot is basically Trinity launching herself off on a fucking motorcycle to explode a building. And it's like, you're immediately like, whoa, color. Oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. They know how to construct an action sequence. God, All great. of these are great. Yeah. Like we said, the bullet time, the, time, right. the quote course. unquote the, the dodge shot, this. Dodging bullets. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that that uh, Trinity has to download the instructions to fly a helicopter. Like that is a great moment. It's the perfect like little so bit of levity that you need. Um, and then, you know, the she The Western rocks standoff it. between Smith and Neo in the train oh, station. In the train station, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, Yeah. Yeah, when we talked about the the dead naming mm-hmm. sequence mm-hmm. there. It yeah. just, I think that because he's been referred to Neo for so long and nobody calls him Mr. Anderson besides the agents, it's that moment where you really, like, it sinks in how, like, insidious it feels. Like, it really mm-hmm. does feel like yeah. it's designed to push his buttons. Totally. Um, And I like it. And we know, obviously, that Agent Smith is very aware of, like, his role in the matrix and right. that like he's so sick of it and he hates all these people mm-hmm. so it's like he's doing this intentionally absolutely like, yeah it, he, it is part of his programming but he knows what the fuck he's right doing. and then when he breaks from his programming he keeps doing it like yeah. and this, he goes on to be like when he's free from the constructs of let's say he's breaking free from the constructs of like heteronormative society he still goes on still to be a terrible person and it just goes to show that like even outside of it like whatever however you want to view it like he will like there will still be people who will come after you for like whatever you're trying to be no matter what which is uh terrible but like representative of like the world so but also representative of the work of like becoming enlightened right like it's not simply that you are able to break away from the system you have to then you know you have to kill the cop who lives inside your head you have to like fully reprogram yourself and neo's whole journey is that he reaches the point where he truly breaks that stuff that's inside of him and that's how he becomes Mm -hmm. able to like manipulate reality because he's broken the concept of reality that lived within him right and it's it's done like so literally because he literally like explodes an agent from the inside out (laughs) yeah so good 
so good. He yeah. goes God mode. And I feel like that is like, yeah, God, it's so fucking good. It's the, there's the quote I put down on this is where earlier Neo goes, what are you trying to tell me that I can dodge I can bullets? Dodge bullets? And he, Morpheus goes, no, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you don't have to. And I feel like that so sums up his journey because it's like, there's the sequence where he is doing the bullet dodging and stuff like that at the end. But eventually it builds up to the point where he can just physically like stop it. And he sees everything going on and it's so natural to him because he has gone on such a clear arc of recognizing like who he wants to be and who he's meant to be and like to for Morpheus to be like you when you have like come out or like when you are finally who you are you won't need to be thinking about all of these things that you have to do it will just be natural to you like you will be the person that you're meant to be and you won't have to work anymore on like trying to establish you know and convince people otherwise yeah, and I mean, you see that in literally the last scene of the movie right. when Neo goes into the Matrix, like, no holds barred, is totally confident, and is like, listen, like, I'm coming for you. We're going to make this happen. I'm going to wake all of you up. And then he supermans off of the sky. <laughs> yeah, he fucking while, eats out of there. While Rage Against the Machine plays. No, is, is it Rage Against the Machine? I think it's Marilyn Manson, isn't it? Track listing. Oh, yeah, it's Wake Up by. Wake Up yeah. by Rage Against okay, the Machine. Okay, you're right, you're right. When does Marilyn Manson... Marilyn Manson is the beginning. Rock right. is dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think is that it's the, the Rock and is dead. there's the Dragula. Which yeah. was... Yeah. Dragula, that's a great song. Um, it has the drop yeah. out, yeah. Obviously, Marilyn Manson, turns out, is a really bad human being. But I yep, was a yep. Manson fan at that <laughs> age of life. And the Rock is Dead song, I think that even the video for it was a video for The Matrix, but it was like their promotion song in all the... And all oh, the trailers. Fuck. I think maybe it comes back in the credits or something. I feel like it's there. Anyway. Mm. It's a crazy soundtrack. It's, it's so wild. Because so it's like rock and then like techno and everything. I love <laughs> it. I think it's it's perfectly fits this world. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a very, very much like a cultural snapshot, like oh, a moment yeah. in time. Oh, yeah. I'm so interested to see what the music for this new one will be yeah. because... I mean, them having like the trailer The song trailer music is so good. Is so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I, I literally yesterday was like walking around the house humming it to myself just because it's like so in my head and I'm like, I'm going to follow Alice down the rabbit hole. Here I go. <laughs> Oh yeah, my god. It's great. Wow. Yeah. I you know, I really wonder how this new Matrix is gonna I mean, I think it's coming at exactly the right time because Facebook is literally trying to create the Matrix right now. They're like, we're gonna create a yeah. whole virtual world and everyone's gonna be in it. Yeah. And it's like, actually, I don't wanna be in a Teams call already. God knows I don't wanna be in no. one that's virtual reality, you know? Mm, <laughs> nope. But no, thank it you. does feel, of course, obviously, like Elon Musk and Zuckerberg and Bezos and all those people will go out and watch this Matrix movie and be like, it's so cool. But like, I feel like if this completely misread, if this movie is yeah. doing what it should do, then really it should be implicating them, you know? Yes. Agreed. I Agreed. Have, I, I have faith. Yeah. I do. And that's, that's the Matrix. Good movie. Incredible. Good fucking movie one I mean, of the best of 99 the only other like plot related thing i want to say is like at the end there's the last thing that you see oh, on screen yes. before the credits is system failure and like the camera zooms in between like the m of system and the f of failure and it's like going into this world between world of gender genders. <laughs> and i love at the beginning how it like goes into the code it's like right. literally breaking apart the binary mm -hmm. of code and of gender mm -hmm. it's oh 
It's oh, <laughs> cool, cool movie. And hey, guess what? It was a giant fucking hit. Yes. So we love that. Huge. How um, much money did it make? Let me just run it down for you real quickly. This movie came out April 2nd, 1999. It played until September in the box office. It made $173 million God, domestically. We're never going to get that again. $465 million worldwide. Absolutely crazy. Um, it is like the number, it was the number five movie of 1999 and they did it all for 60 mil. 65 mil is, uh, so crazy is said here. Yeah. What is the, do you have what the sequels end up going up to like what they're like budget wise, um, potentially? Um, I don't, sorry. If you give me a minute, I can, I'll give you a minute. I can vamp. Okay. I'm able to do that. Um, Um, I think this movie, as we're talking about, like 99, one of the best years of movies, as we've oft discussed, and like that's not a hot take to say, um, but this movie got nominated for Oscars. Kind of, it did, I, it won some, but like you think about it and like them not getting a best director nom or like a best picture nom is kind of wild because this movie, if it was released now, would absolutely get a best picture nom just mm. because they're trying to get... Would I think it, so. With the, with, I would I say so. with the 10 expanded. I think it would be like the Dark Knight of the noms, you know? In like 1999. A, it, it made so much money and people are like, we just have to give it something. Maybe? Yeah, In 1999, there was only five Best Picture right. nominees. And I think like with the 10 expansion, it's in. But Morgan, what were you going to say? Yeah. Do you disagree? Well, I was just going to say like they traditionally they don't do blockbuster action movies in the no. in the Academy Awards. That's just not what they are willing to do, you know, because they think of themselves as being very high and up there. Yeah. So I don't think it's that weird, um, but it definitely, it probably should have gotten more awards than it did get. What awards did it get? It won, it won so some it won, great Yeah, it basically stuff. won film editing, visual effects, obviously, sound editing, sound, and that's it. That's it, yeah. um, But I think it also, I think the most despicable thing for me, IMO, is that it didn't get a Best Cinematography mm. nom, because while the noms were great that year, this movie, Bill Pope, his... He basically changes cinematography for blockbuster filmmaking, as we've mentioned earlier, like forever. And like he worked with the Wachowskis on Bound. He goes to do Spider-Man 2, Scott Pilgrim. He then now basically did like the Jungle Book and is like kind of like the go-to guy for like these big VFX movies. Yeah. And Alita Battle Angel. Right, exactly. And like, but like this movie so like changed, you know cinematography for action filmmaking forever and like for it to kind of be overlooked i think is yeah ridiculous it's sad. yeah i have the box office data for you yes you want me. it okay so this is actually interesting because for uh reloaded and resurrections the budget ballooned to 150 million you wrote revolutions sorry yeah sorry what did i say oh resurrection that's okay. it, it's confusing for a lot of reloaded R's. and revolutions the budget ballooned to 150 mil reloaded made two uh, seven hundred and thirty-eight million dollars worldwide. It's like massive, massive hit. And then Revolutions took a bit of a, a dip. The hit, yeah. Only made four hundred twenty-seven million worldwide, but they got the budget up. Right. So there you go. Very long-winded answer to the question that was asked. Well, like, yeah. I mean, I think ago. people had fever. Or two thousand three, people were like, "Well, I don't know if I saw this movie in May. Why am I going to go back and see this other movie in November that disappointed yeah, me already? Yeah. Crazy. They were released so close together." wild mm-hmm. but we love this movie 
And do. that's a win for all of us. It is. <laughs> hey, Jordan. Hey, Brooke. Do you want to guess the letterbox rating? I would like to. Um, I'm going to say that people like this movie. I bold think claim, so. Bold claim. And Morgan, you are more than welcome to yes, put in a guess the letterbox average, but not required. I'm going to guess. I don't know what the highest it can go up to is, but I'm going to say like a four three. I'm going to go pretty high. Okay. Morgan, would you like to put in a guess? I'll say a four five. Ooh, Ooh, I am afraid to disappoint you both. What? It's a 4 1. Uh. <laughs> but still pretty high. Really? And almost a million people have watched this on Letterboxd. So it's nice and popular. Popular movie. Surprising. Good film. <laughs> All right. Okay. Brooke, where is it landing on the queer quadrant for you? I mean, guys, this <laughs> is going to be so easy. This movie was revolutionary in a million different ways. It is still like one of the best films to tackle trans themes ever. And on top of that, is enjoyable and like. You know, all of these really amazing, like, queer sensibilities are baked into all of the behind-the-scenes action as well as, like, what's there on the screen. It's five stars. Like, yeah. I don't have anything cool. else to say. Cool. I'm going to just say one small thing for mine is that when Lily stated herself, quote, the Matrix films are about being transgender, end quote, so short. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. We've kind of talked about it. It's five for me as well. Great. Morgan. Um- how are you feeling? <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break from the from the pack here. That's cool. That's fine. We love that. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a four, um, only because I think they would have if they had full creative control, they would have gone further. Like with Switch mm. as a character, I think they could have uh. pushed it a little further um, around like queer representation. But as a trans allegory, totally. it's a five for sure. But um yeah i would say it's a four but really high up there high four absolutely <laughs> love it okay amazing. i love it i love it not like this not switch like this. we were done dirty with switch it's cool maybe we'll get maybe, maybe yeah we'll get that. maybe that's the big thing is resurrections they're resurrecting switch yeah or they're resurrecting a character similar to her where mm. we do get that sort of like real world versus matrix gender yeah. identity i love anyway, it morgan Thank you so much for being here. A delight. You are so cool and so <laughs> smart. Um, and we're so lucky to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Oh, I'm so glad. And, um, you know, you are, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, working on some very cool things. So if people want to check out your work, what is it and where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Morgan M. Page, uh, which is probably the easiest place to find me. I also run the podcast One from the Vaults, a trans history podcast that brings you all the dirt, gossip and glamour from trans history, which you can find on pretty much any podcast app except Spotify. Um, And um, in January, when this comes out, my first feature film as a co-writer, Framing Agnes, which is um, a really wild experimental film about some real, uh, real life case histories of a 1950s gender clinic, uh, will come out in um, film festivals. I'm currently barred from saying the name of the very, very big film festival that we got into. But um, by the time this comes out, you will you will be able to look it up because uh, it's hmm. the biggest film festival that it could possibly I wonder what into. film festival happens in January. <laughs> That's a very big one. I wonder. Uh, I guess we'll never know. Wink, yeah. wink. No, that's amazing. That's so amazing. That's that so rules. exciting. Go watch the movie, obviously, when you can. Oh, and 
and also yeah, also last one I have to plug it or they'll they'll yell at me is um, I'm the executive producer of a Wondery podcast docu series called Harsh Reality that starts coming out November twenty second, twenty twenty one. So all eight or seven Perfect. episodes should be out by January. Go check it out. It is the real story of an incredibly exploitative reality TV show in 2004 and how it all went to hell um, and involves a trans woman as the as the sort of center of it all. Anyway, go check it out. Love Harsh it. Reality. It's Amazing. on Wondery. You can find it on um, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Love. Hell yeah. Um, I love this. We are basically in all the same places that you are, uh, mostly on Twitter. I'm in Brooke B. Solomon. Jordan H. Gus. And we're together at Queer Quadrant. So disappointed in my online name. I'm sorry. I mean, mine's pretty boring, APOC. too. APOC. <laughs> it's right there. And we'll, we'll brainstorm. Switch. We'll brainstorm some new names for you. Uh, and you can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple and wherever else you get your podcast. Drop us a rate. Drop us a review. Drop us a follow. Plug into the Matrix. Tell us mm. all of your thoughts. Or unplug. Or unplug. Whatever you're feeling. Uh, you can also tweet at us. Tell us what you think about this movie. If there's anything that we missed talking about. Because I'm sure there is. So you can come yell at us. It's fine. And also let us know what you'd like to see us cover in the future. Next week. What are we doing? We've already we mentioned it. We are talking. Continuing through our wonderful Wachowski's Month. And we are talking about Cloud Atlas. A We're going to the clouds. Very sticky movie. But <laughs> lots Lots of good shit to talk about there um, and some bad shit. So tune in next week for us having a panic attack exciting. about that. And Brooke, is there anything you would like to leave our listeners with? Uh, yeah, my favorite fun fact of this movie is that uh, Neo's apartment number in The Matrix is apartment number 101. Gotta get that binary code in there. Hey! It's little things. It's the little things. <laughs>